Hi, podcast. Good morning, podcast. There's no such thing as a good morning. It's an oxymoron, like jumbo <laughs> shrimp or civil war. Thank you. They mean the opposite. That joke gets a laugh 50% of the time. That's fair. Nothing's happened today. It's too early to be like, today I did this. Today I woke up. Did you tell the podcast about what happened after we finished recording? Oh! (laughs) Yes, last episode? We ended the episode being like, manifest this thing for happening. And as soon as I hung up, I got an email that I got in. So manifesting works and don't trust religion. To, to clarify, <laughs> she got into the Disney College program. Oh, don't yeah. gloss over that. I forgot that people aren't listening like back to back. Consecutively. <laughs> like it's just a conversation that's going. No, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, it happened like we got off of the phone and then I got a text message. It was, that was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, so that happened so thanks podcast for your thoughts and prayers yeah even though the episode hasn't aired yet but still no it's backlogged like they knew what was coming in the future Mm -hmm. so they're like we'll just do it now Mm -hmm. so got it so that's happened yeah i haven't done the paperwork yet because they won't give it to me until advising in like a week Mm -hmm. now so it's about to happen but i went in and they were like come back in two weeks I was like, but I'm here now. I want to fill it out now. <laughs> I just hate having to fill out paperwork for school because I know it's yeah. going to take forever to get to the right person. Yeah. And they're going to be like, oh, sorry, like you sent this here. Like you need to send it here. And this person hasn't worked for the school in like five years. Like they're just sending <laughs> you on a wild goose chase of random emails. Yikes. I had to like what? get certified to do the prairie dog stuff. Like I had to do the mm-hmm. IACUC certification to handle animals, um, and it it took like three months for them to like get it Jesus. where it needed to go. So I just started super early, and like they were figuring it out the night before I had to leave. Still, and that whole time I was having to call people and be like, "No, I need this to get in," and the day before I remember calling like ten different people. Like, first of all, where's my paperwork and how is it getting to the right person? Because I'm leaving tomorrow. I would have left. Because I also that. had driving paperwork along with that to, like, I remember that. drive the truck. Which, like, we drove all the way there. So I needed yeah. to be able to help drive because it was, like, a 16-hour drive the first day. I was so mad. The school cannot handle paperwork. There's just too many, For- like, human resources to jump through too many people too many titles too many cooks in the kitchen make it just one guy he'll figure it out the president should be doing all of it (laughs) um since the last recording we have also gone to that escape room oh it was amazing there are there's still sand in my shoes yeah yeah. it's everywhere i vacuumed and i still there's sand everywhere We did a pirate escape room. It was very, very fun. It was huge. Yeah. It was fucking huge. And then we went and got ramen for my birthday. It was great. Oh, that ramen place was so good, too. I've never had, like, not 99 cents ramen cups. Mm -hmm. It was so good. It was. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Erin got to come with us. She's married now. 
I know we said that on every time we have to clarify like where we are in Aaron's marital journey. Married that's Aaron. The, that's the subplot of our whole podcast. <laughs> is is Aaron married yet? That was my favorite thing that you can just follow it through. Like mm-hmm. our, our little updates. Because I forget, but I'm pretty sure in episode 10, which is the first one she's on, we talked about her engagement, didn't we? It was one of the first. If it wasn't 10, it was the next one. Okay. Maybe, right. It might have, well, because I remember 20 was when we talked about her wedding dress. And we were like, you got it so fast. Oh my God. Which, by the way, she was stunning. Oh my gosh. Her dress, her hair, her makeup. I cried. Like, I was fine. Like, I saw everybody else, and I was like, oh, he's already crying. Like, it's so cute. And then the flower girl, I was completely fine until Aaron walked out, and then I was like, <laughs> like um, but I cannot remember if, like, we introduced Aaron in episode 10 and then talked about her engagement in 11, oh. or if we, like, talked about her engagement and then brought her on for episode 10 and talked about her engagement. Yeah, I don't remember. It's been over a year. Episode 10 is a behemoth. Have you looked at that recently? It's like three and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the ones I was like, man, we, we started this idea off in your living room. Like, we'll each talk for 30 minutes. <laughs> we How naive we were. We cannot do that. How naive we were. I think it's like not fun to just retell the same story over and over again, though. Like, yeah. if you don't give enough time to give the details, there's, like, you're right, not adding anything. What's the difference? Same thing like, of, like, the- I can I can read the Wikipedia page to you, but that's not what I'm here to do. Like, all the people that are like, you shouldn't talk in between to cut the time down. Absolutely not. You know, that's not. a perfect segue to, guys, we never look at our iTunes reviews, and we found a negative one from October of 2022, and the shit made me cackle. It was so funny. It told us we needed a public speaking course because we didn't know how to talk. I'm not publicly speaking. I am chatting in my own bedroom, and I just so happen to let you listen. But it's so funny to me because the review directly after that is, don't stop the rambling. It's so funny. Listen to this podcast. I promise it's not a vibe. Like, no, I love that one. I saw that one the other day. On a real note, though, um, if you're new to our podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. Yeah, it helps out. Or, like, Spotify has reviews now. Just, like, the stars will yeah. pop up. Or if you, like, mm-hmm. look up the page of, like, click the podcast, you can, you can like, do the, the stars, stars, too, and it'll pop up. Yeah. So, whatever um, you listen on. Yeah. So we always mention the reviews, but it's almost always at the end of Emily's story that we say it, and no one tunes in after that. Yeah, no it's one tunes so in far for the in closing chat where we're like so sleepy and we're like, "Good night. <laughs> See you next time." Leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram. Like the same thing every time. But yeah. No, that's fair. I skip that on every YouTube video, every podcast too. too. Like you, you hear it once, you're like, "Got it," and you. Skip I know the, the spiel. Rest of the- yeah. Our but, spiel isn't, like, set, though. We always say it differently. We're like, what do we say now? <laughs> As if we haven't been doing this for a year. Yeah. We're bad hosts. <laughs> no, we're oh just having gosh. fun. Well, our TikTok has also started being active again. That's good. The numbers shot up. Uh, anytime we're, like, posting consecutively, it really we shows have, like, you that TikTok is a simple platform. <laughs> 
as long as you just put something on there. Mm-hmm. We it, had like 1,700 followers, I think, two weeks ago, and now we're at 2,050. Yeah. At 50? The last time I looked yesterday, it was at 30. We went up 20 oh. a, a night. Yeah. Um. So the thing about it, though, is I'm posting all of the TikToks I had in drafts, which are from a total of like three episodes. So yeah. every single Emily story is the Dozier School, and every single one of mine is Richard Chase. Yeah. Um, with like a few extras I had in there. Like I had one of yours from like i have one julia tafana one for some reason and then i have like two from the whisper estates so it's like i've been posting all of those um hey to that guy <laughs> that went on commented on the dozier school i really hope you started listening to this podcast yeah i think it was a little confused about and i get it because it's just clips so you're yeah. not always sure what we're discussing in them Anyway, is that a good segue to start? I'm down to start. Okay. Then let's start. What's your topic? Ghost. Ghost. I think. What's yours? True crime. That's right. Okay. That's right. That's the first episode. Yeah. Okay. I I put it into context of our first three. I did the same thing. Cool, 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 cool. Um, hints. Oh, no. <laughs> you might know this one, actually. Don't say that, because I definitely, you, <laughs> even if I know it, I won't be able to guess it, because apparently yeah. this is my worst skill. <laughs> you might, you probably know of it, because I think everyone does. Um, so it happened in the 70s, okay, um, in the UK, okay, okay, okay. With me so far, with me so far. Mm-hmm. Was investigated by Ed and Lorraine Warren. Okay. Inspired The Conjuring 2. Okay. Arguably the most famous poltergeist case ever. Like, I know I covered The Great Amherst Mystery already, and that's, like, the most well-documented. Mm-hmm. This is the most famous. Okay. Everyone has seen the picture. The picture? There's a very, very, very famous picture that came out of this case that it's pretty recognizable. Okay. Um, while you guess, I'm actually going to send it to you. Okay. Like, once you guess. I'm sure once we start. I've heard of it, but nothing, there's no, like, word popping to my brain right now. Does that but bring any bells? I've seen it, but again, like, I don't know what it, the big story okay. is. The Enfield Poltergeist? Mm-mm. Really? So, the thing about this case is, first of all, incredibly famous. Incredibly famous. Like, the news media got involved, like, pretty pretty early on, um, and were reporting on it. And then the big thing that happened was, obviously, like, Ed and Lorraine show up for maybe two seconds. Like, okay. they show up and they're like, it's a demon, and then they leave. Like, they don't really get involved, but the a bunch of scientists got involved um so like the the society for cyclical research gets involved and starts um investigating this occurrence so it is pretty well documented in that sense like there's a lot of um because people literally do come and stay in the house but i'm getting ahead of myself i'm getting ahead of myself 
So this story is about a family, as it often is. Um, So the mom's name is Peggy, Peggy Hodgson. She has two daughters named Margaret and Janet, and she has two sons, Johnny and Billy. So Margaret is the oldest. She's 12. Janet is one year younger than her at 11. Johnny is one year younger than her at 10. And then Billy is seven. Okay. Also, I'm pretty sure Johnny was casually sent away at some point. Um, Probably boarding school. I saw it in, like, two articles that was like, yes, Johnny was not present. And I was like, why wasn't Johnny present? He's 10. (laughs) Where is Johnny? (laughs) Where's Johnny? Um, Here's Johnny. Um, But, yeah, this story is mainly about the, the ladies. So it's Peggy and her daughters. Okay. Uh, Peggy is a divorced mother. She's 47 years old. Okay. And this story starts immediately. Oh. <laughs> no backdrop. All right. Um, on August, on an, uh, okay, whoa, 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 deep breaths. That was a lot for me. <laughs> August of 1977, at their home, 284 Green Street in North London, it's a Tuesday night. Peggy hears the kids roughhousing upstairs. She goes upstairs, tells them to stop and to go to sleep. They said that the beds were shaking. (laughs) And Peggy was like, no, they're not. You're liars. Go to bed. Yeah. (laughs) Shut the fuck up, essentially. (laughs) Um, and, And that, it ends. The second night, though, Peggy hears footsteps. According to her, it sounded like someone was walking around the house in slippers. Okay. And then she hears four loud knocks. And there's a crash upstairs. So when she runs upstairs to see what happens, she finds both of her daughters cowering in a corner. And according to them, the dresser had begun to move on its own toward the bedroom door. That's terrifying. Peggy did not believe it at first. As in typical Peggy fashion. Typical Peggy. <laughs> but then it happened in front of her. Okay. So the dresser moves and Peggy is like, whoa, didn't like that. Let me just put it back. So she pushes it back and then it happens again. <laughs> That's awful. So the third time Peggy goes to move it, she cannot push it back into place. <laughs> the ghost is just holding it. No, literally <laughs> Um, there's also knocking on the walls all over the house. So it's not unique to one wall. It's like, it'll come from the left side, then it'll come from the ceiling, then it'll come from the floor, and then it'll, you'll hear it in Billy's room down the hall. Like, there's knocking all over the walls. And Peggy immediately starts to freak out. Um, so she takes all of the kids, gets them out of the house, and they go to a neighbor's house. Because she's like, I don't know what just happened, but something is going wrong, and it's not safe to be in here. Mm-hmm. Um, these neighbors, um, his name is Vic Nottingham, which I just love a good last name. <laughs> and his son, Gary, decide, because like they go to the Nottingham's house. Mm-hmm. So they're hanging out with Miss Nottingham while Mr. Nottingham and their son go over to investigate. Okay. They also hear the knocking. They think someone's pulling a prank. Um, 
like a rational person, Peggy calls the police. Yeah. That's fair. It it's 1 a.m. by this point. Um and the constable comes. Her name is Carolyn Heaps. They come and they're like it might be the pipes. Like maybe it's the pipes rattling. The pipes. <laughs> so they're investigating the pipes. They're checking the walls. They're checking the attic. And nothing explains the tapping noise. That is still happening. The police also hear it. Okay. Um, Carolyn is in the living room with the family, like, calming them down, talking them through it, while her men and the neighbors are checking around. And a chair moves in front of her. The lights in the house shut off. Oh, my God. The eldest son, like, when the lights come back on, he points to, so, so Johnny is here. He hasn't left yet. Johnny hasn't left yet. Okay. The <laughs> eldest son points to a chair next to the sofa that is wobbling back and forth Ooh. on the ground. According to Carolyn, it comes up off of the floor by about half of an inch, okay. drops back down, and then slides to one side about three and a half feet. Whoa. That's This happens in front of seven people. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. The next night, because all of this happens and they somehow go to sleep after. In the um, house? Mm-mm. Unclear, actually. I don't know if they went and stayed with the Nottinghams okay. on the first night. Because they leave a few times during this situation. Okay. Um, the next night, Vic comes back to the house to check on the family. There's marbles and Legos flying around. And one of them actually hits him. Uh-oh. Um, so for the next three days, people are coming by to try and help the family. This is city council. This is religious figures. Every single person who comes into the house has some sort of experience, whether they're seeing a chair levitate, whether they're getting marbles thrown at them, whatever it is, they're hearing knocking. Like, no one can help this family, and everyone believes it's cursed. Yeah, I mean, if marbles are flying at you... I'd Chairs are convinced. levitating. <laughs> like, so yeah, that is the first night of the Enfield Poltergeist, and it only gets worse. That's crazy. That's here. one one day's worth of activity. Mm-hmm. It's like some. And it's, that's all. Go- some ghost stories get is like that kind of activity over the whole ghost story. That's just day one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And just to remind our dear, dear listeners, poltergeists are ghosts that can interact with the real world. Like, it's not like a, they can, they can throw shit at you, you know? Like, yeah. that, what, I believe we talked about it in um, the episode where we discussed the Sally house. Like, we go pretty in depth between mm-hmm. the difference between ghosts, poltergeists, demons, spirits. Um, so go back to that episode if you want a voice essay. Yeah, it was a little bit more detailed. Yeah. But, but they can, like, still be clear, too. They can just touch yeah. things. It doesn't have to be something you see touch it. It can. Yeah. It's still ghosty, but. Oh, yeah. But as time goes on, the poltergeist situation just gets so much worse. Um, But also for one family member in particular. Oh, no. The ghost was extremely focused on Janet. Though it was also pretty fond of Margaret. Okay. Um, but, like, Janet was tortured. Oh, no. Maybe possessed. Whoa. 
Um, she was levitated multiple times by an unknown force. The ghost is just picking her up? Yes. That's She awful. also started speaking in a man's voice. Mm-mm. One quote was, quote, just before I died, I went blind, and then I had a hemorrhage and fell asleep, and I died in the chair in the corner downstairs. The one who was moving? That's, yep. That's on recording. Also, like, these clips, like, this is the 70s. They had cameras. Like, a lot of this was filmed. Like, That's crazy. Um, but the weird thing is that this quote is true. Like, this isn't like a a girl just saying shit like, oh my god, I'm a demon, blah, 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 blah. They did some investigating and found out that a previous owner of the house named Bill Wilkins, this exact thing happened to him a few years earlier. That is how he died. And she's he alive. Blind. She didn't just... Yeah. He he died. He or Just before he died, he went blind. He had a brain hem- hemorrhage and he fell asleep in the chair downstairs. And that is where he died. That's off. Is it the same chair? Did they keep a dead guy's chair? Yeah. Oof. Um, Janet also had, like, very common for people who are are pinpointed by spirits, had a lot of rage all of a sudden. Okay, I've heard that. We've talked about like, that before. She, yeah. She went from being very, like, a normal child to, um, not that. Just angry. So, their father had left them for a younger woman. And specifically, the girls had, like, a really bad relationship with him because they're the oldest, too. So mm-hmm. they have, like, the most memories of dad. Um, and so a lot of people are like, well, Janet and Margaret already had a bunch of pent-up issues. And it's like, yes, they did, but that's a, that's different. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, a, there's being dad, mad that your dad divorced your mom and left you for a younger woman to start a new family. And then there's bashing your head into a wall. Ugh. Which is what she starts doing. So Janet would run around and swear really aggressively during the haunting, which this is also new behavior for her and relevant because this is common for people at the center of hauntings. But she'd run across the room and bash her head into a wall. The family got scared she'd kill herself because of how hard she was slamming it. She would start to shout and scream to the point that she needed to be sedated. Oh my gosh. Towards the end of November, a doctor had to come to the house and give her Valium to knock her out. Jeez. And once she was unconscious, she was levitated, thrown, and landed on top of a radio. Oh, gosh. That's awful. Like, her her uncle, John, had to come in and, like, help her because she was unconscious and, like, move her. So, like, I guess she wasn't awake for that, so good for Janet, but, like... I guess, but, like, I don't know. Because Valium usually just makes you, like, loopy, so it's easier to, like, mm-hmm. sleep. I guess it knocks you out a lot, but I feel like... I don't know. I Like, I want to know if she felt any of that. Like, if you... Did she wake True. up when she hit a radio? As far as I know, she didn't. Man, that's crazy. That's a lot of value. <laughs> This is also the 70s. Yeah, I know. And she's 11. So, like, any Valium is a lot of Valium. That's fair. (laughs) Um, But a slew of other people also, like, people were, uh, other people were still having experiences in the house. Like, it's not just, like, suddenly it's only Janet. Um, But a total of over 30 people had some sort of paranormal experience. That's crazy. 
that's everyone from reporters to lawyers to researchers to just general neighbors. Like, neighbors would see moving lights in the windows. Whoa. Um, Peggy saw an elderly woman on two different occasions in their home. And Uncle John saw a man with big teeth staring at him through one of the windows. That is such a and we're weird pretty sure that that's Bill Wilkins. Okay. So, the other reason that we know so much about this case, per usual, is that it's extremely well documented. However, comma, this time, the news gets there first. Okay. Which is a... A nail in a coffin for some people, because journalism. Yeah. Um, but Miss Mrs. Nottingham, the neighbor from earlier, whose husband had gone in, she gets so desperate to help this family because she's watching this little girl get tortured. Yeah. Like, she, these are people she's known for a long time. Um, she calls the Daily Mirror. And she's like, look, something's happening here. You need to come see it. Like, I guess she thinks that if it gets more eyes on it, maybe somebody will be able to help. Yeah, somebody will know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they send a reporter. He's. <laughs> it's funny because it's specifically clarified that this was, like, a brand new reporter on the job. <laughs> um, his name is Douglas Bentz. Um, they send him and then a photographer named Graham Morris. Okay. These guys are important but not really because they are sent out because they think it's like a bullshit job but as soon as these guys get here and it's like no this is real they immediately replace him with a senior reporter and a senior photographer that was gonna be his big break (laughs) no literally i felt so bad um but graham the photographer quote i thought it was an ordinary job until i walked into the house I stood in the gloom in the kitchen, and one by one, they brought the children into the adults' arms, and the last one to come in was Janet. Suddenly, things just took off and started flying around the room. I got hit by a Lego brick over my right eye. It gave me a lump for a few days. There was a fair bit of force. There were marbles and things left in the kitchen that were just flying around the room. I was watching the family, and none of them were doing anything. Like, they had just gotten so used to it that they're essentially standing in the middle of a storm. It's like, awful. As, like, these new guys are getting pelted with Legos. Yeah, also those Legos must be moving if it's bruising you. Oh my yeah. gosh. He said, like, a fair bit of force. Yeah. Like, bam. Stepping on them hurts. Imagine just getting, like, pelted with them. <laughs> Torture. Um, another guy, the senior reporter... <laughs> comes out his name is george fallows and he's the one that's typical like most people don't even talk about douglas and graham mm-hmm. um they're like the reporters from the daily mirror came out george fallows like completely skip over the beginning um george fallows is the one that's pretty attached though mm-hmm. so another thing that i should clarify is that this housing that they're in is there's a name it's a council house um in london which are specifically, like, government-subsidized housing. Okay. Um, I'm unclear of how it works completely like pro- because I'm... the projects and stuff like that? Kind of, yes, but, like, here, I'll send you a picture of the 
Because it doesn't, I mean, it just looks like a neighborhood. Um, but it's government funded. Oh my god, chill. Chill, <laughs> Discord. What do you get with Discord Nitro? This is such a tangent, but like, what does it even do? I really don't think it does anything. <laughs> Your files are too powerful. Send them with Discord Nitro. Shut up. <laughs> Here, that's a better picture anyway. That's the whole neighborhood. Um, but it's okay. Like, yeah, uh, so like kind of like the the housing projects in New Orleans, where it's just like yeah, copy paste buildings and yeah. Um, so George Fallows at first thinks Peggy is playing a trick because she wants a different government housing. You know, the same way that all men are like, she's obviously lying because she wants something from me. Yeah. Um, but... So at first he thinks Peggy is playing a trick to get a new government housing, but then he realized that something more serious is happening. That's Um, so mean to just like immediately suspect that she's a bad person Mm -hmm. quote because of the emotional atmosphere at the house and in the neighborhood ranging from hysteria through terror through excitement to tension it has been difficult to record satisfactory data nevertheless i am satisfied the overall impression of our investigation is reasonably accurate to the best of our abilities, we had have lim- eliminated the possibility of total trickery. Although we have been able to stimulate or simulate most of the phenomena, in my opinion, this faking could only be done by an expert. So, and that's a common trend of like, we can't say that they're not playing tricks, but there's a few things that are happening that are just physically impossible. Yeah, and like... How would how would they be getting away with the tricks in front of so many people and right? Like how has nothing failed if they haven't? If this isn't their like whole profession? So George reaches out to a contact at um, the the Society for Cyclical Research. Okay, his name is Maurice Gross. We'll talk more about him later. Um, a few key things is that he is also brand new um he joined the society because his daughter i believe had been hit by a drunk driver um or had passed away suddenly okay and then he got into investigating ghosts obviously um so (coughs) eh, (laughs) these two research from the society are sent out their names are maurice gross and guy leon playfair both of whom become very, very important. They did believe that this was a genuine haunting. Okay. Although they did, ex- they did suspect the girls were interfering at times. Like playing into it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Guy, Leon, goes on to write a book called, quote, This House is Haunted, The True Story of a Poltergeist. <laughs> and to the point. he... Yeah, he details a lot of his experiences in the house, but we'll come back to that in a second. Maurice first comes September 5th. When he arrived, quote, I found chaos. The whole family was congregated in the house together with the neighbors next door, and there was a lot of very frightened people in there. 
Jeez. Yeah. So what convinced him to stay? Because at first he was like, people are scared. Meh. <laughs> yeah. Um, a few days later, he, he arrives the 5th. Wednesday the 8th, at 1 in the morning, there's another crash from the girls' bedrooms. The girls are asleep, but a chair had flipped over and moved full meters across the room. They slept through it, or were they asleep when it happened? And, like, woke Both. up? Okay. There's also the possibility that at least Janet was on, like, was drugged okay. at this point. Because um, this is around the same time that they started giving her sedatives to help her sleep. Mm-hmm. But the thing with this situation is... This house is flooded with people. So, like, the children are upstairs sleeping, but Peggy is downstairs dealing with all of her neighbors, the Society for Cyclical Research, and the Daily Mail has not left. (laughs) They're just there. They are there. So, she's dealing with researchers and reporters. The story doesn't break until two days later. Um, on September 10th, which is five days after Maurice's arrival and two days after he agreed to stay and investigate. Okay. Once the story broke, it was called The House of Strange Happenings. After that happened, even more reporters show up. Oh, gosh. More reporters show up. Radio stations want, want a story on it. The BBC covered it. Like, everybody starts getting involved. And each one of these investigators come in and, like, leave with a paranormal experience to write about maurice alone sees a shit ton of stuff while he's researching he sees sofas rise into the air and slam back down onto the ground marbles flying spoons bending like he the spoons (laughs) a photographer and maurice rig a camera in the girl's room to take pictures every 15 minutes and it catches Janet being thrown from her bed. That's the very famous picture that everyone sees. Okay, so she's being thrown. Yeah. That's so scary. I just thought she was jumping. Yeah, a lot of people. And that's another criticism is because it was timed. People yeah. think that she faked it. Um. But this is when Maurice realizes, like, after this picture happens, this is when Maurice realizes he's out of his depth. And he contacts the, the society again for help. Okay. Um, and this is when Guy arrives. Okay. I know I kind of did that a little weird, but they don't arrive together. Maurice comes first. He's there for, like, I think two weeks by himself. Then Guy comes later. Okay. And he's, like, a, a more experienced? Mm-hmm. Okay. They see indentions on the pillow as if someone was sleeping there. Um, They come to talk about, they suspect that a four-year-old was smothered by her father in the house and that that is also a spirit they're dealing with. Uh, Peggy had been gifted furniture um, from this little girl when she moved here. So Peggy's solution was to throw it all out, but the issues continued. Okay. At one point, they, meaning the researchers, send the family away for, like, a week-long break. Okay, so they were like, we need the house to ourselves to make sure you're not tricking us. Yeah. So, and this is, it it gave me Sam and Colby vibes. Um, Hated (laughs) it. 
Maurice communicates the spirit with the spirits using one knock for no and two knocks for yes. Huh. And this is how the conversation went. Are you a male spirit? Yes. Did you used to live in this house? Yes. Was it more than 50 years ago? Yes. Did you die in this house? Yes. Are you unhappy? No. Why are, why are you here? Is it because you want to give us a special message? No. <laughs> are you having a game with me? Instead of answering, the spirit threw a cardboard box at his face. <laughs> so the consensus was like, we're pretty sure that this one at least was Bill Wilkins, who or was something. just having fun fucking with the researchers. Okay. Or it could be something pretending to be that, yeah. Bill. But, like, a man used to live in the house more than 50 years ago, did die in the house. But, the, according to the spirit, is not unhappy. Yeah, he's like, just here to mess around. Right. And it's pretty clear, given that, are you having a game with me? Spirits. Yeah. <laughs> pelts you with a box. Games. Investigators also, like, saw changes in the electromagnetic field. Um, a psychiatrist. No. That's not that word. A psychic. Yeah, a little different. <laughs> a psychic came to visit and told Janet that she should leave pens and paper around the house. To Did see if she writing? could talk. Yeah, to see if she could talk to the spirits specifically, and they did. That's so cool. I love when ghostwriting is in anything. Yeah. Peggy found one um, on the fridge that said, quote, I will stay in this house. Do not read this to anyone, or I will retaliate. Retaliate? <laughs> um, there was also another one that said, can I have a tea bag? <laughs> For why? Um, Peggy... Put a tea bag on the table where the note was, and it ripped and opened. He just ate the tea leaves, like I guess. <laughs> what, what did you want from that ghost? Um, but the the first note, the I will retaliate. The problem with that was that so Peggy's ex husband turned up to the house for a second. Um, she showed him that message, uh -oh. and once she had gone, Peggy began profusely apologizing for showing him the message. And another one appeared, saying, it was a misunderstanding. Don't do it again. I know who that was. Now, that's a lot to unpack. What you... Yeah. <laughs> Don't do it again. Also, that's so creepy that it just, like, yeah. knows what you're doing. Another medium came in. And did the, the pictures thing while in a trance. Um, and after that, she taught Janet how to do it. So Janet began doing the pictures in the trance situation. Specifically, she do, drew someone dying in a pool of blood and called them Watson. Um, and it turned out that there was a family who used to live in this house called the Watsons. And the wife died from a throat tumor. In a similar way to the drawing. You know, like the whole coughing up blood thing. Mm -hmm. um, they also speak to Joe Watson at a point. 
like through knocks and things. I don't like how much Janet knows. Maurice also found Janet sliding headfirst down the stairs while she was asleep. That's so awful, but so yeah. funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just get completely pencil. Just like um, drugged out on Valium, just down the <laughs> stairs. Head first. That's terrifying. The investigators at one point also tape Janet's mouth shut to see if the voices would continue with Janet not being able to speak. So, like, if they could and, clearly hear the voices. Mm-hmm. And they did. Whoa. Um, there was another quote. Quote. Um, oh. Also, poor kid. Just getting their mouth taped shut. That's yeah, so after awful. After she was thrown down the stairs head first. She's like, tortured by ghosts and strange men in her house. <laughs> like, literally. There was a... The, I think it was so funny because in the article it was in like every word was capitalized. Um, local lollipop lady it was like one of their neighbors that sold lollipops. It was like, why couldn't you just write her name? Um, but there was a quote. <laughs> local quote, lollipop lady. <laughs> that's the name of this week's episode. Quote, I was standing there looking at the house when all of a sudden a couple books came flying across and hit the window. It was so sudden. I heard the noise because it was so quiet, there was no traffic, and it made me jump. Then, after a little while, I saw Janet. I don't know if there's a bed underneath that window, but she was going up and down bodily, as though someone were just tossing her up, tossing her up and down in a horizontal position. Like, as if someone had gotten a hold of her legs and back and was throwing her up and down. I definitely saw her come up about window height, I but I thought she was bouncing. She'd bounce from her feet. She wouldn't be able to, enough, to get enough power to bounce off of her back to come up that high. My friend could see her as well. We both could see her. That was a lot of nonsense, but essentially what happened was they were seeing Janet move up and down in a window, and what she's saying at the end was that there was no way that Janet could get, because you know, when you bounce, you like, you eventually come to a, a stop. There was no way for Janet to get enough force to keep going up and down as hard as she was, as consistently as she was. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, she couldn't keep the bounce as steady as it was. Yeah. Um, their pet goldfish was also electrocuted. No! And the family parakeet was found dead in its cage. That's so... Why you gotta kill the pets? Yeah. Also, (laughs) how are the pets not... Like... I wonder why the, the ghost waited till now. It was, like, all or nothing. They didn't, like, mess with the pets. They, like, ignored the pets and then killed them off. Yeah, they they knew too much. I mean, like, animals, you usually hear, like, can see more things and stuff. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the ghost was like, y'all are gonna rat on me. (laughs) Fuck this bird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ed and Lorraine Warren catch wind of this and end up traveling to London to investigate. Um, it's, it's bullshit. Like, this case is listed as one of Ed and Lorraine's, but it's simply not. They just, like, don't even investigate it, like you said. Yeah, they come in and they're like, yep, haunted, and leave. And it's like, we knew that. Like, Thank you. 
That's um, one of those things that, like, that you you question if it's, like, spun. Like, maybe they were just in the area and people were like, mm-hmm. oh, they went to the house and said this. And, like, yeah. you wonder how much of it is journalism, like you were saying. Like, how much is just inferred that they went over there. Right. Ed is quoted, quote, Now, you couldn't record the dangerous, threatening atmosphere inside of that little house, but you could film the levitations, teleportations, and dematerializations of people and objects that were happening there, not to mention the many hundreds of hours of tape recordings that made... Whoa. Not to mention the many hundreds of hours of tape recordings made of these spirits' voices speaking out loud in the room. And then the Warrens never come back. Like, Yeah, it seems like if it was that intense, yeah. they'd be like, we're here to stay until it's gone. My guess is that they probably couldn't. Like, literally couldn't because there was already the cyclical society was doing like legitimate research and then the daily mail like the whole place was swarming with reporters yeah like ed and lorraine are a lot of things but i think the consensus is traditional like they're not gonna come in with an army of reporters to do something they're gonna investigate and talk about it after yeah um I, and I also just don't think there was space There for could them. be, I don't know, in, like, the ghosting community or demonology ghosting. community of, like, jurisdiction. Like, does the, the mm-hmm. society kind of have right of way, almost, because it's just, like, where they're from. Yeah. Like, would, would just because they're in London. Because I also know, like, when you do exorcisms, you have to get it approved by the Vatican. Yeah. And, like, it's a whole thing. So I wonder if it was just, like too much of a a like issue on that front of like well we already have this ghost society looking into it and that this is kind of their turf yeah so ghost jurisdiction is the name of this week i want to know now like if i as an american ghost hunter went to london i was like i'm looking for ghosts could they just be like no we have london ghost hunters for that (laughs) like what, what would they but, I mean, that makes sense. Like, also, I feel like it's just a respect thing. Like, you're not yeah. going to walk into somebody else's research and take it over, especially when they got there first. And they're and not asking been for there help. For longer. Yeah. They're not asking for you to come in. So, to be like, we want to take over. Yeah. And it's also, like, Ed and Lorraine weren't invited. Like, they heard about it and showed up. And I feel like that's also how they've gotten a lot of cases in the past. Like, you always hear, like... Ed and Lorraine heard about it and showed up and then it became their case. Yeah. This time there was just someone there first. And so they were like, okay, we'll go look for something else. And then Annabelle. No, I actually don't know where Annabelle is in this timeline. But that's true. They could have like caught wind of something else that didn't already have a team on it. Yeah. I wonder like, I know some people have issues with the warrants and like their methods too. So like. Some of their stuff is done differently than I guess like the society might have done. So they might have just like not wanted to have like a conflict of how people handle the situation. Yeah. Um, the you know, that was fully a guess. 
um, Annabelle was happening at this time. Oh, so they were just, they were busy. Yeah, the nurse got Annabelle in 1991, and that went on for a few months before the the Warrens got involved. And so it was, like, around the time that this poltergeist situation was starting, Annabelle was also starting. So they had either just finished Annabelle or were, yeah, yeah. It's very close. Okay, just, like, within the same Mm -hmm. area of Um, time. And I'm sure they had other little stuff that, like... Isn't yeah. as well known as like Annabelle. Did the Warrens investigate Amityville? I think yeah. They didn't. Did they? I thought so. I thought that was um, one of their big ones. Unless I'm totally just mixing up the names of something. Yeah, that's me. I can never remember which cases are just incredibly famous and which ones are famous because of yeah. the Warrens. Um the the Sneedeker house, the the Perrin family, the Enfield poltergeist is on this list. Um, Annabelle the doll, the Smurl haunting, South End werewolf, the Amityville case. Yeah, they did investigate Amityville. Um, we we need to have an episode about the Warrens in general. Like, yeah, I think case. it's super interesting. The like, just like reading more into them that some people really don't like when they're involved in cases because it gets yeah. so much media attention. They're like, this is obviously faked. And stuff gets really convoluted, like, the second that they step into the room. Yeah, and there's so many times in the cases where people will be like, this happened. Like, we know this happened. And like, well, that happened in the movie based on the event. And now we're twisting yeah. stories, and it's not true anymore. Well, our haunting trickles down to a stop in 1979, two years after it begins. There was a handful of things afterwards, but nothing too terrible. But, like, it just stopped happening. Bill gets bored. I guess. Um, but there, the family is still dealing with it, like, emotionally, though. Like, quote, it stays with you every step of the way, Margaret said. It's just like a death, really. It gets a little bit easier as time goes on, but the fear and the memories of it and what happens never leaves you. I think there was a really similar description for um, another case that the Warrens were involved. Just, like, it's not related at all, but kind of related. Of just, mm-hmm. like, there was another family in one of the cases that describe it almost the same way. They're like, it, it's like someone dies. Yeah. And you just kind of have to think about it, but it, like, goes, like, it's in the past, but it. Yeah. It's like grief never leaves kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I've said it before, that this is one of the most famous poltergeist cases, point blank period. Mm-hmm. It is the inspiration of The Conjuring 2. Um, it's it's a lot. There are still a lot of people who believe the whole thing was fake. Really? So, skeptics think that Janet made up Bill herself, and that Peggy encouraged it because she liked the attention. Okay. So, the the thing with that, though, is, like, or, like, Peggy, like, people think she wanted attention and also, like, money, but, like, checkbook journalism wasn't really a thing yeah. at this time. So, mm, And, like, why keep a, it up if you're not getting anything? Right. Because, like, if you're keeping up 
if they were keeping up a lie, you'd get more and more afraid that it would fall through, especially if you're not getting anything at all. You're like, it's not worth it. There was a point where Janet was put under hypnosis and asked a few questions. Whoa. So one of them was, do you know who, who is doing all of this? And her answer was, me and my sister. Oh. Why do you think you are to blame? I don't know who is. What does it feel like? Cold hands gripping me, gripping me around my body. Who started the trouble? None of us. What is the cause of the trouble? An increase in unhappiness. So there along with like that hypnosis admission of like who's responsible me and my sister uh, the girls were caught doing a few different things and tampering with the investigations a few times okay they were caught bending spoons and like leaving them according to janet it was to see if anyone like first of all could but then also to see if there was a difference between their spoons and the ghost spoons like so they were like we're investigating too And the investigators were like, no, you're just messing with us. According to Janet, she said that they did fake paranormal stuff about 2% of the time. Janet has also spoken out against skeptics um, and said that she really doesn't care what they think because she knows what she experienced. Mm -hmm. But I told you we'd come back to Maurice and Guy, and we are now. Um, So they thought it was genuine... And that an entity was responsible, but both of the investigators thought that the girls were exaggerating or fabricating some of the events. Yeah. Um, so, like, they, they thought some of it was genuine, but, like, specifically Maurice had seen Janet banging on the ceiling with a broom handle and then he also caught her hiding his tape recorder. Okay. So the the two investigators also noticed that this voice of Bill had a habit of randomly changing topic, which was something Janet did in like everyday conversation. Okay. Um and there was a point where Janet admitted to uh or Janet and Margaret admitted that they were pranking the journalists. Okay. Like, not the researchers. Like, yes, they wanted to fuck with y'all, too. But, like, the ghost was real. But they were fucking specifically with the Daily Mail. They were troubled kids and... Yeah. Kind of making, um, making light of the situation. So the researchers were trying to get them to, like, re- retract their statements and stuff. Um, but, I mean, they didn't. They were like, no, it's really haunted, but we really just wanted to screw with the journalists' stay. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, it sucks, too, because these researchers, like Maurice and Guy, also st- start getting made fun of in the research world for believing that this was real. Really? Later, a different cyclical researcher got involved named Renee Hayes from Cambridge. Um, at, a, at a society convention, he talked about doubts. They analyzed some of the audio tapes from Ensfield um, and were talking about how, like, there was a lot of doubt that it was real and yada, yada, yada. 
Um, another investigator named Anita Gregory called Enfield overrated and said that the girls were suspicious. Um, another speculation was that the girls had staged some incidents specifically for the journalists. To keep people guy, coming back. One guy named John Belloff comes in and says that he thinks Janet is using ventriloquism. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. So, it's like, it's, at first it was just kind of like a sentence. Like, he was like, <laughs> yeah. yes. Um, but then a stage magician named Melbourne Christopher, um, he's an American stage magi- magician who comes to investigate Enfield for a brief period. He said that he didn't see anything that showed ghost activity. Um, quote, he was dismayed by what he felt was suspicious activity on the part of Janet later concluding that the poltergeist was nothing more than the antics of a very clever little girl who wanted to cause trouble. And then a different ventriloquist, that's three, a different ventriloquist named Ray Allen also comes to the house and says that he's pretty sure all of Janet's male voices are vocal tics. Like, like stage tricks. Yeah. So the consensus That's pretty impressive also, at mm-hmm. 11 to just be, like, fooling people completely. It would explain why she could talk with her mouth closed was the, like, with the Taped. tape over it was the other thing. But there's a, it's pretty back and forth because the problem is that the girls did admit that some of it was fake. Yeah, so how, where does, where's the line? And, like, right. stuff like, how do you ventriloquize, I don't know the word, um, mm-hmm. flying Legos. How do you ventriloquize? I get, like, you could maybe throw it behind your back or something or, like, make it look like it's flying, but throw a Lego with enough force to bruise someone's face? How would you how do that do without, you... like, such strong movements? And how do you um, ventriloqui- ventriloquize <laughs> I don't know the word. knocking on the walls when the family's not home? Yeah, when, they, when the girls weren't there. They should have done more of that, I feel like. If so many people suspected the girls, remove the girls mm-hmm. from the house. Just be like, hey, can you go stay with the neighbors tonight? We're going to do our own little investigation. And they did. Like, they they got them out of the house for a full week and still recorded ghost activities, still recorded EMF stuff. So it's like, I feel like the middle ground is like the girls realized that they were like there was some spiritual entity or something and took advantage yeah like liked the and attention made and... things more extreme which i mean but yeah I, I i would see a little kid doing that yeah it's, Egging it's things of, on and margaret and janet have both been like yes we were pranking like i never saw anything other than the hiding of the tape recorder of janet trying to fuck with the researchers Everything I found was the journalists. Like, it seemed either that she liked the attention and wanted them to keep coming back or was irritated by all of the that attention. That everyone was in the house all the time. I'm sure it gets right. old. You're like, nobody's so like she, solving the problem. You guys are all just staring. And she told Maurice straight up that she was fucking with, with them. Like, she was fucking with the Daily Mail um and they were drugging her also i'm I'm sure she just got annoyed that she was always like a test subject yeah so there are people who do believe it was real with some caveats and then there are people who think the whole thing was fake and that janet was just 
a really troubled little girl with a lot of tricks up her sleeve. Which is crazy impressive if that's the, the story. The ventriloquism thing alone is insane because these things are on tape. Like, it's, it's not... It's not word of mouth at this point. Like, you can watch you can them. You can watch it happening and hear voices and see that she's not moving her lips at all. And, like, that's not even... Like, there are really famous ventriloquists who can't do that. You can see it in their face that they're mm-hmm. talking through their, their mouth, like, partially open. But, I mean, she could talk with her mouth taped shut, allegedly. Yeah. And make chairs levitate. That's still getting me. A little yeah. girl can make voices and tap on the walls with a broom. But, like, how do you make chairs levitate in front of seven people? There was also a, spe- a situation where the couch levitated. Yeah, or, like, like the, the dresser moving in the room. Up. Right, and they're cowering in the corner and Peggy... I have no idea what the fuck just happened, but the recording dropped out. And We're back. We're back for two seconds so that we can go to intermission. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. No. The last thing I said was that it it was crazy that, like, the the dresser moving on its own and stuff and Peggy, like, I don't know. I just feel bad for these girls that they're being told that they're liars. And it's like, yes, they, they played some tricks, but not all of it was tricks. Yeah. That's hard, too. I bet they feel bad of, like, now no one believes us because we played some of the tricks and now we can't right. convince them that some of it's real. Like, they, they probably the boy put them on themselves. Well, are you ready for an intermission? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. And intermission. Dun, dun, dun. And we're back. That intermission was two seconds for us. Yeah, which has been the trend in the past few weeks, honestly. It's the morning. Yeah. I honestly like like recording in the mornings better. It's nice. Yeah. There's nothing to, like, push it off. It's, like, just when we wake up, we get on. But when Mm. we record at night, it's sometimes like, oh, man, dinner's running late. We didn't get to the cafe in time. Or, like... Yeah. I don't know, I just, like, more, like, random stuff can pop up in the evening. Right. In the morning's easy, though. Well, what do you have today? I have true crime. But I have an interesting thing for you. It's kind of like a a double whammy. What? I have true crime and a ghost and then another crime. (laughs) All kind of around the same people, but it's... And they're not super detailed, so this isn't going to be three hours, but... That's incredibly funny. It's like, you. it was one of those things where you can't talk about one without the other. And okay. there was more crimes than ghosts, so I was like, I guess I'll do it. Okay. As a crime. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know how to give the most insane synopsis. Like, <laughs> yeah, so... It's like a ghost story crime Oreo. You have crime, ghost story crime. That's um, the name of this week's episode. <laughs> Emily, you gotta call these out as you see them. It's your catchphrase. <laughs> I can't take it away from you. It's our catchphrase. <laughs> it's the podcast's catchphrase. Hmm. I don't know. 
This happens around the same time as yours. I was looking at the dates while you were talking, just because I had my research up, and this is 1987. Whoa. I'm trying to get the exact area. Why did I not, like... 87, and it's a crime ghost crime situation. Yeah, and I do it in a weird order, which I'm going to explain in a second. Mm -hmm. So some of my, like setting information doesn't happen till later choices mm-hmm. choices yeah I, I it's a interesting way to frame it but does it happen in america or like london it's in america i'm trying to figure out the state wasn't up at the top so i'm trying to like read through <laughs> real quick it's up in like new england it's like vermont massachusetts somewhere up there um okay I do remember that. And he, like, I don't so know. We'll not, get to- so it's not the Salem Witch Trials. No, no, no. It's super It's not Lizzie recent. Borden. 80, 1987. Um, I don't know how much media attention this one got. And it's one of those ones. I don't think it has much because some of the articles were super conflicting of, like, the main story. Nice. So I did my best to get, like, the story but there i'm going to talk about where it's different too because there was one part that was super different from one article to the other so i just went with the storyline that was in most articles that Mm -hmm. i read um and like even some names were switched but like this also happened so i don't know i think it was just like bad blog posts that Mm -hmm. wrote about it and like got names confused um that i was reading because my first article wound up having the wrong names and it's like that is annoying <laughs> the wrong names is crazy yeah i think it, they had like flipped two people's names mm-hmm. and so or like four people's names like two were flipped and another two were flipped and it like threw it off or i had to like redo a lot of my research when i figured out that my first one was wrong and it's also interesting This guy I'm going to talk about, that is the two crimes. He, one of them, one of the crimes was, like, more well-documented because he was Mm -hmm. older when it happened. Um, And stuff will get, like, redacted almost because if you do a crime when you're a minor. So, there Mm -hmm. is some, like, missing information, but this is what generally is what is written on um i don't know how to give hints for this i have no guess he's a teenager doing crime no idea all right we're just gonna we're just gonna jump in his name is oh, no daniel laplant and okay he has like i've been saying two crimes that kind of build up for his infamy uh and I said I'm doing it in a weird order. I'm going to actually start with the second one because okay. the first one didn't get any media attention until after he was arrested for the second case. So this is okay. the order that the like general public, public. got a hold of it in. So we're just going to start with like what brought him into the spotlight and then sense. see what they found out after. Um, and this is a very sad crime. But there's some crazy stuff that happens later, so I don't stick on it too long. But it is mm-hmm. a very heavy case, just like content warning right there. Um, so on December 1st of 1987, D- 
Jan broke into a woman named Priscilla Gustafsson, I think is how you say her last name, uh, who was a teacher and she was pregnant at the time. He snuck into her room where she was sleeping and shot her. Okay. With a gun he had stolen from another house. Okay. He then proceeded to drown her two young kids in two different bathtubs in the house. He escapes, and the family sadly isn't found until Priscilla's husband gets home and finds his wife. He flees and calls the cops, and the police are the ones to find the children. This case sounds familiar. Okay. Or maybe I'm just remembering a different child drowned in a bathtub. There's a lot of those. It's sadly not... Uncommon. Uncommon. (laughs) Weirdly. But, okay, okay. That's fucked up. Why did he do that? What? Yeah, we'll we'll get into it. There's a lot. What the fuck? He is caught three towns over. He actually was kidnapping another woman at this time. He lost her. What is this man doing? He's crazy. He is like... This man's bingo card has got to be insane. She, like, gets out the car at some point, and then he freaks out because she's like, oh, my God, she's going to run and tell the cops. So he gets out the car, and he runs, and he hides in a dumpster. So choices. The police catch him because he's just, like, sitting in a dumpster. <laughs> and he is eventually sentenced to three life sentences with a chance of parole. What? They are able to identify him or like connected to him because he had a criminal record like i said he had broken into another house and that wasn't the first time he had broken into a house he had like somewhat of a record as a teenager for breaking into places and they found a hair that belonged to one of the children on his sock like it was in his shoe gotcha and so they were able through dna analysis to connect him to that crime for sure uh, he gets chance of parole because he was still a minor at this time. What? <laughs> it's like 17, 18. So, legally a minor. Um, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like the second you commit a murder, you're not a minor anymore. I don't I care. I believe it's after 45 years, which is a long time, but it's still like, you kill three people, you go to jail. That's for the crazy. rest of your life like <laughs> being a minor doesn't mean you didn't kill people this is right around the time massachusetts is deal it's massachusetts there we go massachusetts is dealing with the um like juvenile rehabilitation instead of just okay. like full-on incarceration so there's a lot of back and forth during this time with laws changing of okay. like Give them a chance of parole. Don't give them a chance of parole. After this age, they don't get it. Like, it's it's a lot of the line shifting right now. And when he was caught, it just so happened to be one of the times where anyone 18 and younger gets a chance at parole because they're a juvenile. I get it, but I hate it. But, like, are they actually going to rehabilitate him? Right. No. Murder? <laughs> question mark? Um, so, they, they, he just catches a wave of, like, Massachusetts is all about getting troubled minors back into society after reform. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said in the beginning, some of the details of this case and the case that happens before are mm-hmm. 
kept anonymous because it's because he's a minor a child Uh, and i get that but also he's the one doing the crime like why protect him um you know facts facts i get like protecting i was thinking about that like who are you protecting yeah he is a very troubled kid and i'm going to talk about it again before the first crime because that's when the media gets a hold of it um Mm -hmm. and so he had a lot wrong in his upbringing and i think that also plays a part in him getting a chance at parole and like them trying to protect at least some of his information okay but it's still like why protect him this is icky and there's also like children were murdered in the first case but they were like you don't need to protect their identity because they were killed and there is other teenagers involved in this second case okay but again, it's like why protect him, his information? But right, okay, that's why I. That's all I could figure out of why some of these details are wishy washy. Like some articles okay. were like it happened like this, some were like it happened like this, and they're the same general story, but it's semantics of like it happened in this mm-hmm. order. Um, okay, so he gets caught, and the media starts looking into his past and he did have like this long record of breaking into people's homes uh but they also dig up his like upbringing and sadly he experienced both physical and social abuse as a child from his father mostly but other adults in his life as well Um, social abuse like isolation um oh okay and like that's what i could understand from what they're trying to say is like his dad would have friends over and the friends would not treat him well and so like became very unapproachable like socially cut Mm -hmm. off isolated himself completely even at school like was just unavailable Mm -hmm. um he like i'm saying just like totally cut off from other students at school did not hang out Mm -hmm. with anyone did not talk with anyone was just kind of by himself all day uh, his grades were pretty bad. He did have dyslexia. Uh, and he kind of was, because he wasn't talking to anyone, seen as an outcast and not treated too greatly by other students because of it. And mm-hmm. he was seen as a creepy kid, very standoffish, very strange, and just kind of didn't care for school because of that kind of relationship. And so didn't really care to keep his grades up. The school counselors actually told his parents to get him to a psychiatrist because of mm-hmm. these issues. Um, wow, the school doing what they're supposed to? Yeah, but it was apparently really bad before they stepped in. Like, his hygiene was becoming a huge issue. Uh... And other kids and parents were, like, bringing it up to the school. Like, this kid obviously needs someone to step in. Yeah. Um that's really upsetting. He did go to the psychiatrist and was diagnosed with hyperactive disorder but then really sadly twist of fate his psychiatrist turned out to be a terrible person and sexually abused dan during their meetings so like even when somebody was supposed to be stepping in to help him from the situation they just wound up being another bad person just to clarify that's terrible yeah just to clarify is hyperactive disorder like adhd yeah it's just okay I like uh, yeah. couldn't focus. It's similar from what I know, but like 
he, he doesn't have attention disorder. It's just like the hyperactive part. There's also the psychiatrist was messed up and might have just been like putting something on paper to keep him coming back. Mm-hmm. He did have dyslexia as well. And there is, we'll talk about more psych eval in a little bit. I just didn't know because like when did, because this is 1987, Yeah, right? so it's kind of like in the ADD, ADHD. Yeah. It's all under that like umbrella. Okay. Of related disorders. Makes sense. I'm with it. I'm with it. I'm keeping up. So this case that first case was really terrible and it really just like throws the name into the media and then they start digging up previous crimes and they have a lot of these breaking and entering and theft and so on but then mm-hmm. there's also some weird things that start to pop up and that's what we're gonna talk about next oh. so okay. <laughs> bear with me we go on a little it gets weird You'll this see what I'm talking about. This making me nervous. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, it feels like I'm waiting for a jump scare in a podcast. Like, how does that work? So I'm going to give you some information. We're actually going to derail a little bit and talk about that ghost I was talking about and then wrap up with the crime. So okay. it's weird, but it'll make sense when I go through it. It's a weird way to gotcha. lay it out, but it, it flows a little bit better this way. Um, so... This is before the first killing. This is before he okay. killed Priscilla and her kids. Um, so, and 19- Priscilla and kids are the first one. No, no, no. This is before Priscilla. Before, th- okay, okay, okay. Priscilla okay, and kids gotcha. is what gets him in jail. Gotcha. For the rest of ever. This was uncovered after. Yeah, this is what people, like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> Why did no one talk about this when it happened? Um, I had a nickel. <laughs> so... Tina Bauer, a teenage girl, started receiving calls from a Danny LeBlanc. Dan, okay. the guy who did the crimes. Uh, he claimed to her to be a friend of one of her classmates. Like a friend of a friend. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And told the fake friend, I'm going to spoil it, <laughs> to give the number. That's kind of confusing. Dan is saying he got her number from a mutual friend makes sense um he just said like he had heard about her and wanted to get to know her just like she seemed cool and seemed like they had similar interest uh so the two talk on the phone and like that's their only interaction for a while just like a couple weeks they're only communicating over the phone and during this time dan is painting himself as a good-looking blonde athlete he said he was tall and fit and the whole nine yards just like trying to play off as this cute guy to get the cute girl uh and tina with no way to question this actually believes him she's like so this is ye old catfishing yeah (laughs) he's he's hard catfishing that's the name of this week's episode uh she eventually agrees to go on a date and like meet in person which is i found super interesting because he was described as so strange and standoffish by other classmates but was like able to hook this girl over the phone so it was like obviously he he had these skills somewhere but it was just like 
I mean, a lot of people also have, like, in-person social anxiety, but, like, are fine talking to strangers online. Exactly. It, it's it's something. I just found it really interesting that he was able, it was, like, in a matter of weeks, convince her to meet in person. And, like, yeah, had her intense. believing everything. Um, so, the two agreed to meet to go on a little ice cream date. Uh, when Tina gets there, you guessed it, Dan looks nothing like what he claimed to over the phone. Um, instead of a he good... nothing like his profile picture. Exactly. Instead of this good-looking athlete he describes, Tina sees a thin, small, not in best shape, unhygienic, dark-haired boy. Like, it's pretty much the exact opposite... Jesus. ...of what he had described. Um, they meet and talk, and she eats ice cream with him. Uh, but after the date, Tina goes home and completely ignores any calls which i mean like mm-hmm. good on tina she was like you know what i'll i'll stick it out yeah i'll give this guy a chance but also good on tina for realizing you probably shouldn't date people that are trying to catfish you yeah so she completely ignores every call from him at this point forward good for never tina. picks up the phone um and now we're gonna put a pause on things because Tina is the one with the ghost story. <laughs> that was not what I expected. But I would love to hear about Tina's ghost adventures. That's so, the name of this week's episode. Tina's ghost adventures. So Tina had just lost her mother to cancer, sadly. Okay. Uh, and Tina had a sister that was a little bit younger than her. And they believed in the supernatural and believed that they could contact their mother through a seance um and so they're it's no like it's not a ouija board seance it's just like they're sitting in a dark room holding hands makes sense asking questions and they kind of get some things to work it starts to freak them out um there's they start hearing knocks kind of like the last ghost story and Uh the same in colby knocks they never get concrete like yes and no's they just get like weird vibes happening Mm -hmm. they're like the house is creakier when we do the seance and they like try to tell their dad they're like dad we can talk to mom and whoa the dad he just you know like most people would writes it off as the girls are just handling their grief really poorly and kind of denies anything from happening so then the girls were home alone dad was at i believe this time there's two times this happens i believe this time he's at the neighbor's house um the girls are in the room again trying to talk to a ghost and they hear knocks this time they believe it's coming from below them they're on the main floor and they think there's a ghost in the basement Emily, I don't like this. <laughs> and they decide it's time to catch the ghost. But instead of a ghost, they find a written message that says, I'm in your room. No. Come and find me. <laughs> they flip out, uh, call their dad, who immediately blames them and says they're just like, this is sick. Like, they shouldn't be doing this, like pretending to have a ghost and gets them into counseling. I'm going to (laughs) puke. But then it happens again. The girls are home alone and they find a message that says, I'm back. Come and find me. 
and the girls okay this is the time the dad with the neighbors the girls run over to the neighbors and called their dad and he again blames them but he says like he's heading over and while they wait he's out i'm lying to you the dad is not at the neighbors they go to the neighbors to call the dad and so they're waiting for the dad to get back and the neighbors decide like the girls are really freaked out they want to go over and check on things um so they go in they look they see the note that the girls are talking about and the then neighbors they see yeah the neighbors see okay. that there is a note and that the girls aren't lying and they leave they all stand outside and wait for dad when dad arrives they go back into the house all together and the girls and the neighbors start to get really freaked out because the room was in chaos like it was way more <gasps> disturbed than when they had just been in so dad heads in to the girls room and comes running back out because he sees his wife standing in the girl's bedroom with a hatchet shut the fuck up <laughs> shut the fuck up cancel the podcast <laughs> shut the fuck up with the message I- marry me written in what he thinks is blood on the wall and then disappears so he runs out the way i have full body chills right now so what the fuck i fully thought you were about to be like and there was a man like what <laughs> and the girls are like i told you so there's a ghost dad and you didn't believe us and you were gonna let us get murdered uh and the dad's freaking out because he's like i don't believe in ghosts and he calls the cops smartly and Good. The cops get there to investigate, and at first they find nothing. They just kind of, like, the room is a mess, like they were saying. Um, But then, like, just because these people are very adamantly freaked out, they do a bit of a heavier search, and they find Daniel LaPlante. No! In a dress and wig (gasps) inside the walls of the house. (laughs) She walked away. (laughs) left the room walked away what the fuck (laughs) i'll i'll give you a moment (laughs) i'll I'll give you a moment to process (laughs) in the walls in the walls i'm gonna die oh my god so i'm gonna break it down a little bit better than that so yeah throw up wasn't a real ghost story probably pretty easy to to guess that but from the girl's perspective they thought they were haunted um i'm gonna puke so it's terrifying because he had been in these walls for weeks he was the one uh, tapping on the wall he would sneak around and move furniture when the family was gone uh very scary part he had cut holes in the walls to spy on them just like kind of behind furniture where he could peek out of but they couldn't see the hole um he had gotten into this space by a the crawl space under the house and found like a cabinet in the girl's room that the bottom was kind of messed up and he was able to cut that out and was accessing the house through this cabinet through the crawl space under the house this sounds made up <laughs> this sounds like a plot of a movie and it's a movie i've seen they, like, they found him 
in the cabinet. The police, like, are going through the girls' room and open the cabinet and see him just standing in the hole. Again, in a wedding dress and a wig with a hatchet. And he's aggressive, so they, like, had to constrain him. Restrain him. There we go. Um, On a completely unrelated note, please imagine being the family, standing on on your own lawn, talking to police, and then you just see, like, a full-bodied man come out of your house in a wig and a wedding dress. Yeah. First of all, trauma. Second of all, hilarious. And then they tell you that he's been in your bedroom walls for weeks? My question is, were the police able to figure that out? on the first night or was that like oh we found someone in your house and then a few weeks later it's like oh he was living there you know like i think holy i'm gonna vomit (laughs) um and he had like there was a little bit more he could get to like he was able to get into the girl's room and through that the rest of the house uh and that's how he disappeared when the dad saw him the room was dark Mm -hmm. still and he just like hurried him and got into the cabinet Mm-hmm. And so when the dad, like, finally comes together, gets the light on, he, like, can't find him anymore. Because, like, it just seems like he disappeared. Um, right. Um, so he was also the one, obviously, leaving messages. It was in ketchup, not blood. <laughs> um, at least, like, thankfully he didn't kill anyone to write the message. Um, this fucking kid. So, yeah, he had peepholes all over the place and had, like, a pretty good tunnel system, which is terrifying. Um, so yeah, Tina ignored his calls and he took stalking to a whole new level by living in their house with them. Um, he was arrested for this crime, but for some reason the media didn't pick it up and he was taken to a juvenile detention center, but was released within a year and pretty much right after he was released is when he commits the gruesome murder we talked about first wow um which is another reason like why does he get a chance of parole or any protection to his name in the second case yeah because this is his second like pretty heavy case and like shows that juvenile reform and stuff is not really clicking for him uh, so to clear up a few more things dan actually got the number uh most likely from breaking into their home before oh and gotten like the home phone number that makes sense um so yeah we i mentioned it a bunch throughout but he had a criminal history of like breaking breaking entering like small theft like petty theft um Mm -hmm. but After this arrest, they interviewed him, and he also admitted to breaking into houses, moving things, sitting there for a little while, and leaving just to mess with people, hoping that they would notice things were, like, out of place. I'm gonna throw (laughs) Um, Anytime I lose my car keys from now on, I'm gonna think someone broke into my house. Yeah. Um, I hate this. I hate this so much. This is my worst fears. Also- Brought to life. It's kind of- creepy to think about that dan didn't know the dad or knew that the dad wasn't home and was at work and was just trying to mess with the girls and some people think he was trying to kill them because he had the hatchet this time Uh, this was his big reveal he was revealing himself to the girls was standing there with the hatchet 
like he was gonna pretend to be their mom to them or just like creepy ghost kind the of wedding thing. dress is getting me yeah and uh, like a blonde wig that's um, not a practical murder outfit that's the name of this week's episode. No, he, like, he was saying he, he would just break into people's houses to mess with them. He really was just tormenting these girls. And so a yeah. lot of people think that this was, like, this was going to be the big murder. And the mm-hmm. dad just so happened to be the one that walked in. It freaked him out. And he hid instead of going after the girls. Yeah. Because the dad, he, Daniel knew that the dad wasn't home. Mm-hmm. Um, which is terrifying. Like, he, he knew that it was going to be just the girls. But the yeah. girls this time, like, ran to the neighbors and called dad home instead of just, like, Good calling dad. Um, he also, like, it's weird to think about that they left and he got out and, like, messed things up. Yeah. Like, when, the, not, not the first time when they left, but when the neighbors had come in, he realized the neighbors came in. You cut out. You cut out. Hello? Oh, there it goes, there it goes, there it goes. Okay. Um... It's weird to think about that, like, he, they he, left, he messed things up. And was able to give back. Like, he was so aware of, like, he had enough peepholes and could hear people coming in and out that he was able to hide in somebody's house. I just don't, That's it's different so than, like, when freaky. the, like, horror stories of people having someone in their attic. Uh-huh. He was just, like, getting into the house, like, walking around the house while they weren't there. Wow. I don't like it. Um, so, he gets arrested, goes to the juvenile center for a year, gets out, murders the family, and where we said earlier, he gets three life sentences for that, um, and doesn't get a chance of parole until after 45 years. Dan doesn't want to wait this long, and he actually tries to sue the court many times, uh, yeah. between 1988 and as recent as 2017. What? <laughs> he, he tries apologizing. Uh, he tries saying his religious rights as a Satanist for not being respected in prison. Uh, and he also tries claiming that he wasn't tried or treated fairly as a minor. Uh-huh. In 2017, he wrote, I do not have the words to fully express my profound sorrow, but I am truly sorry for the harm I have caused. From the very essence of who I am, from the depth of my soul, I am sorry. Uh, so, none of this convinces a judge to give him a rehearing, but due to law changes, they have to do a resentencing. Uh, And he, during this, is just trying to get a reduction in time. He's not trying to get the charges cleared. He just doesn't want to be in jail for the rest of his life. Um, The judge, thankfully, denies the plea and reaffirms the sentence because he gets a psych eval at this point and shows absolutely no remorse for what he did, according to this psych eval. So this, like, whole apologizing thing is just him trying to get out of jail. Um, a psychiatrist even wrote, is he rehabilitated? In my opinion, absolutely not. So they're saying, like, even if he does get a chance at parole, that he's mm-hmm. not rehabilitated enough for anyone to get it to him. Holy shit. The husband of Priscilla, who died in 2014, his dying words were, don't ever let him out. He should rot in prison. Good. Uh, yeah. 
So the pr- killing them was so weird. Like he was just messed up. Yeah. <sighs> I wish there was more about the psych evals they did, but I think uh-huh. that was a lot of the stuff kept out because he was a minor and a mistreated minor. So uh-huh. I couldn't find too much more about like other stuff they found about him, but they definitely said he showed no remorse and that he was just like very, it's beyond trouble. It was just like messed up from his upbringing. Um, Mm -hmm. and had no capabilities of showing remorse for that kind of action. Um, and I did talk about that there was a few different versions of events that I found, and most of them followed this line. There was one article that, like, played a little bit more into the ghost and said the dad actually started believing the girls, but from all other accounts, the dad was always kind of a skeptic. He, he was just, yeah. he truly believed that his kids were just really grief. Hand, yeah, handling grief in a really weird, not healthy way. And it was just a really sick twist of fate that there was a ghost in their walls, but the ghost was just a messed up kid. I need to see what this kid looks like. Danny LaPlante. Oh, ew. You know, I don't feel mean about calling murderers ugly. No. They're like, wow. <laughs> Is this bald guy him now? Yeah, I th- that's him during the retrial. Gotcha. Holy shit. And you can, like, look at the picture of him as a teenager. Like, it's totally the opposite of the guy he tried to pretend to be on the phone. Yeah. For those of you who can't see the picture, he has, like, short, really choppy, dark hair. Um, and just, like, is not a very athletic-looking dude. Like, isn't this super high school athlete he's trying to describe to be. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing that's getting me is, like, I know a lot of people are, like, his eyes are dead. But, like, they are. Yeah, no, he does just look, you can tell he's, like, not upset in a lot of these crime scene photos. Like, he's just totally just staring down the camera. Very scary. Um, Oh, there's a, there's a picture of him next to that puppet from that movie you watched. Yeah, I was gonna say, there is some inspiration from this for that movie, The Boy in the Walls. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh... The, the story isn't the same at all, but there is a boy in the walls. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler for that movie, even though it's the title. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but, yeah, it's very much... The movie is the same thing of, like, the house sitter in this one goes to someone's house and she starts thinking the house is haunted because this doll is moving around. But then it turns out it's this guy in the walls who's obsessed with her. Sounds about right. So it's not the same storyline, but a, a same, like, major plot points. When we get off, um, remind me to tell you this story that Aaron told me. Uh, uh-oh. Um, but holy shit, that's disgusting. Um, the, I feel ill. I feel physically ill. That is, like, my worst fear come to life is someone's in the walls. Yeah. I, I I simply cannot have a house with walls. No, I take solace in the fact that I have, like, cinder brick walls. 
That is at so dorms. terrifying. And the fact that there's, like, multiple cases of, like, peepholes and, like, crawl spaces and houses is disgusting. Oh, yeah. Dude, I stayed in a cabin one time uh, when I went to to Tennessee with some friends, like, two summers Mm -hmm. ago. Um, And under the cabin, we, like, walked around in the woods. And it was on a pretty steep hill. So, like, the cabin's here, hill's Mm -hmm. here, and there's building still has to be to the steep part of the hill and we open this door on the side that we thought was going to be locked and we go in there and it's just the hill side but like the walls are up around it so it's just a slant of dirt with a table and chair at the bottom ew no lights in there just a table and a chair in this room that has no floor it's just dirt because there's no grass can grow there's no sunlight here so it's just a dirt Someone hill. was fully murdered in there. Oh, that's what we said. We were like, someone died in here. <laughs> like, don't go in here at night. Or someone sits down here and listens to us up above them. I hate that. It's pretty creepy. Um, One of my coworkers just bought a house. Um, and it's like old, old. Very, very old house. And it's, like, she's going to fix it up and keep a lot of the original stuff. And we're, like, good for you. Good for you. And we were, like, so you kn- you know that your house is haunted, right? Like, yeah. Just statistically speaking. And she was, like, no, it's not. Like, ghosts aren't real. And then, like, she was telling us about the house and casually dropped that there's a crawl space. Mm-mm. And we were, like, no, it's not only is it haunted, but but do you have any rec like i was like you know that they don't have to tell you if somebody has been murdered as long as it's not from like the last 50 years right like you should do some research and every time we see her now we're like so how are the ghosts and the other day she like some it was one of my other friends asked her like so how are the ghosts and she was like there are no ghosts but i have noticed that like doors open on their own and unlock and stuff and lights come on and off and i hear footsteps at night isn't that weird and we're like i want to grab her by her shoulders and shake her and be like either there's somebody in the crawl space or there's a ghost in your house like <laughs> i yeah i want i think old houses are much prettier like yeah. I mean, I, the, the archi- modern architecture is not for me it's yeah, not it. I love the old the older the house the better especially like old New Orleans houses some of the coolest yeah. architecture in the world for just like regular houses and but they're like all haunted <laughs> yeah it's like a trade-off you either have a way cooler house with ghosts or you have to live in what looks like a Minecraft build of rectangles yeah and have no ghosts Honestly, fuck it. I'll take the ghost. I'll take That's the ghost. That's free content. At least it has character. Yeah. And characters. Cool yeah. <laughs> Main ones. Named ghost. <laughs> oh my god. I feel sick. I wanted to try to trick you. Emily, you, you had me for a second... Yeah, and then the first note happened. Yeah, and I was like, I, I'm, I know where this story goes, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. My chest hurts. Like I didn't. You know, I, like when you get so anxious, you can feel it in your spine. Yeah. The last time you did this to me was the Gap Woman. 
I still think about her every day. I researched <laughs> this in my life in the middle of the night. Oh my god, I had to leave my bathroom light on. I heard Satan <laughs> locked all the doors. I live in a tiny, like, dorm room sized room. <laughs> like, there's, you live in a Minecraft build. There's, yeah, there's no crawl space here. It's also in Louisiana. There's no floor, on, there's no basement or nope. crawl space or anything. There's cinder brick walls. Nobody could be on the walls. And the only way to get to this room right here that's like the water heater area is a locked door through my living room. <laughs> like, there's no way someone could be in my walls. I was still like, someone's going to get into my bathroom through the vents that are too small for any human being. It's going to happen. Vents also terrify me. Like, do, do, it's do, such do, a... Do, do, do. Do, do, do. <laughs> it's, it's the Among <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> like, but like, I, I, I feel like having a true crime podcast has not given me any like irrational fears yet. Like, I'm not like I simply lock my door at night and yeah, you know, like I'm not crazy about it. But like, then there are just some things that fill me with so much fear. Oh yeah, I don't have any like, cause my mom was talking about that before. She's like, don't you think it'll like give you more anxiety always looking into this stuff? Um, mm-hmm. Even like my mom's super into true crime too, but like, I like it, I thought about it for a little while and was like, nah. Like I think it just, I don't have any irrational fears from it. Same thing is like I just make sure my front door and back door are locked before I go to bed. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I'll read, like, a scary story and for a night get freaked out because I'm reading about it at 1 a.m. and I'm, like, already right. freaked out because it's nighttime. But then the next day I'm fine. Like, there's nothing yeah. that's ever... Like, the Gap Woman has stuck with me, but it's not, like, every Gap I'm like this. It's just, like, I'll remember it sometimes at 3 a.m. And I'm like, it's the witching hour. She's here. <laughs> I have to consciously... Like, when at night is the worst year. Yeah. Like, I have to consciously be, like don't look at your laundry room yeah because no. you know you're gonna make something up stupid exactly like, but it's just like fear of the dark kind of thing it's nothing where i'm like yeah. avoiding looking it's just like don't roll over just go to sleep <laughs> yeah if I anything have class i feel like tomorrow. it's made me i feel like this podcast has made me more conscious of my anxiety now because i can tell like oh that is irrational it's because emily told you something scary on the podcast exactly like, i can like and yeah I also think that's, like, some people are like, why? It's so weird that people are into reading about creepy things. But I think it's just, like, the general... There's a biological need to understand survival situations. Yeah. And so, like, there is a biological reason for someone to be interested in a, a like, scary situation. It's, like, why people yeah. like watching Survivor. It's, like, you know, are, like, other naked and afraid it's like why people are interested in watching people live through survival situations because we have all those same instincts but we're just not using them as regularly in the way we like yeah exercise it is by hearing about it and it like our brain like those things you can go sorry i was gonna say it's just one of those things where it's like what would i do in that situation? exactly your brain catalogs it as like not something you've been through but like information to pull from yeah I, I disagree with the people that are, like, fans of serial killers. Like, I saw a TikTok. I want to go to oh, this no. expo in two weeks called, like, the Oddities and Curiosities things. And there was someone. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it's a lot of, like, 
they sell taxidermy. They sell animal skulls. They say it's very like. Where is that? There, there's. Uh, it travels. It's like a traveling convention. Uh, and it's huh. only like. It's not only there's panels, there's sales floors, and then there's like crafts you can pay to do. Like there was one where you could pay two hundred and seventy-five dollars and like be taught how to taxidermy a rabbit, and pretty cool stuff. Um, but. I, I'm looking at it night na- right now. It's Large so cool. Rat taxidermy class. You know I have to go to this, right? Yeah, I'm going to the one in Houston, if you want to come with us, in two weekends, 18th. Uh-huh. And the, the day tickets are $10. That's so sick. I just want to go look around. I don't think I'm going to get anything. But the, they're not going to be in New Orleans until this summer, so I'll be gone. So I have to go to another oh. one. Uh, I will simply go in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm going to, it's going to be so sad that you're not going to be there, but I'll, I'm definitely going to send it to like Aaron and Luis and all them. <laughs> be like, let's go. No, I'm, we'll I'm excited to go. Um, but I don't know if it was that expo or another expo similar, but somebody mm-hmm. found like a framed picture of, oh, who was it? It was a serial killer. And it was just, like, not even a signed picture or anything. It was literally, like, a picture someone found off of Google Images and printed it out and had it in this creepy frame. And this girl was, like, bragging about how she got it. And someone do edit it. It's, like, out of all the cool stuff you could have gotten there, you're going to get something that idolizes a serial killer. And, like, that's no, the yeah. part I don't like about true crime people. Like, so it's one it's of those like things where it's... Goes too far, yeah. I never want to say, like, oh, I'm a true crime person because I don't want to be associated with that. I'm not. I don't either. I do not idolize these people. Like some, like people will get tattoos of them and stuff, and it's super. It, it, it gives me up. the same energy as those World War II guys who have like full Nazi memorabilia. We were just talking about this. Like there was a guy with like, the the they do the reenactments and they dress mm-hmm. as Nazis and then they hang up their medals next to all these pictures of them dressed as Nazis. And it's like, you're, you're hanging medals of people who, you know what that medal meant in real life? Yeah. Is that they were a top soldier that killed a lot of people in concentration camps. Like, that's what that do, medal means. And you're hanging it on your wall. Do you remember when we were, it might have, I can't remember if he graduated before, because you're two grades younger than me, right? Mm-hmm. Technically. He might have graduated my second year of high school, but every Halloween... He was in broadcasting with me. There was a kid who would walk around in, like, full Nazi garb. What the heck? He was so fucking proud of it. Like, replica uniform, hat, armband, like, the whole thing. Do you see that guy on TikTok that everyone's talking about right now? No. I don't know if you would... I'm not on TikTok. No, I know. I didn't know if it would, like, be on Twitter or something, because it blew up. Um, He, like, is... He thinks he's Hitler reincarnated. What? And, like, tried to play it off before he came out and said that. He tried to be like, oh, I'm just wearing, like, this uh, antique German soldier outfit. And they're like, no, you're wearing a, a very specific... The, the symbol is the Imperial Eagle. He wasn't wearing the swastika, but it might as well be. Because he yeah. picked the one Imperial Eagle that was in place during Hitler's reign. And he tried to be like, oh, right. no, I'm just, like, wearing antique stuff. And then people called out, like, that that Imperial Eagle that you're wearing was only used in a very specific time frame. Like, there's right. a whole lot of other Imperial Eagles you could have picked from. And you're going to pick that one. And then he eventually just came out and was like, <laughs> he, th- 
thinks he's because I'm Hitler. Yeah, and he wears, like, this weird nose ring where it looks like he has the little mustache. Whoa, that's freaky. And, like, dresses up like him and, like, says all this really messed up stuff. And also has some other weird things but he it was just like it blew my mind that like he still is on tiktok like how are you not immediately removed from the platform ew no but it's that same energy yeah it's the same energy. idolizing anyone like that is crazy that's why like yeah i don't know i like it's so weird to be like oh i'm into true crime because there's so many people that'll immediately tie you to that kind of person yeah and it sucks because like i absolutely hate that kind of stuff and i think it Mm -hmm. it messes up people who are just like genuinely interested in learn like some people even hate that part like you shouldn't talk about crimes like why bring up this family's trauma it's like i'm not telling them (laughs) no yeah when i when i tell people about the podcast i usually am like it's a morbid podcast we talk about horror true crime ghosts i say all of it yeah i like Like, do conspiracies crime I, like, I won't like even say true crime sometimes. I'll just say crime. Like, uh, we talk about crimes, yeah. conspiracy. Because I think true crime's just really recently gotten this huge bad rap of people, like, mm-hmm. not treating it well. So. I've also brought up, like, we talk about crimes that are real and also fake. Like, we've talked about creepypastas and stuff, like. It's just, like, a general umbrella morbid. of stuff. Yeah. Well. I think we should end it here so I can tell you this other story really quickly because holy shit. Um, okay. But uh, follow us on TikTok. Like us on Instagram. Um, Leave reviews. Nice review. Bye. Bye, podcast. <laughs>